from St. Matthew's Gospel, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Good morning, everybody. Man, I am so excited this year for Lent, I can hardly contain myself. I mean, we have, uh, we have uh, sticks on the altar, we have uh, all the uh, decorate, decorate uh, images covered, we have the great litany in, pro- in procession around the church. Man, this is religion that makes even baby Jesus giggle. And I'm saying that to you because I really, a lot of people look at Lent as a, a downer, right? Kind of a, a season of the church's life to sort of, you know, go through, but you don't really enjoy. And I, and I want to challenge you on that today because I think Lent is one of the most transformative times in the church's life and, and transformative for you and for me. I mean, Lent is fundamentally at its core all about you and all about you learning to trust God more and more and lean on Him more and more and less and less on yourself. The whole point of all this talk of sin and repentance and redemption and sanctification and all these things, there's only one point, and that point is simply and profoundly to draw you closer to God. And so this morning, we're going we're gonna to be spending the next six weeks talking about all this idea here. And I want to start off with the big, the big elephant in the living room, if you will. And the big elephant in the living room is this idea of, uh, of temptation. All right, what does it mean to be tempted? What does it mean to, be, to have Jesus be tempted? What does it mean to be in the wilderness and be tempted? And why, why is it the first thing he does in his ministry? It's a big deal. So we're going to talk about temptation today. We're going to look at two things. I want to look at the, the inevitability of temptation. And that word temptation is a big word. I'll get to that in a minute. The inevitability of temptation and the usefulness of temptation. The inevitability of temptation and how that temptation is actually points us to the source of our comfort. So for two things. The inevitability of temptation and temptation as pointing us to the source of our comfort. So we start in the beginning, right? Matthew's Gospel. If you don't know this, there are four Gospels in Scripture, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There are three called the synoptics, meaning similar lens. And they're all very similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all similar to each other. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all report that Jesus is baptized by John in the Jordan River, And he comes up out of the Jordan River, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him, and God says, this is my son. The word is actually, it's it's a diminutive uh, possessive. This is my boy, who I'm proud of. Listen to him. And then Jesus goes from that very act, after he's baptized, of course, he does what everybody does when they're baptized, right? He goes to a reception, right? He goes to dinner at uh, the point over here on the end of, the, of Royal Palm. No, no, man. He doesn't go to a reception. He doesn't go to a party. He doesn't go to a you know, pizza and beer with his friends for a baptism party. No. What's the very, the very, very next thing he does? His scripture says that the Lord led him into the wilderness to be tempted. He goes, he is baptized, in his baptism, he takes our sins upon himself. This is why John the Baptist says, Jesus, you want me to baptize you? You should be baptizing me. I got this all wrong, pal. Jesus says, no, man, 
I got to be baptized for you, John, and for you, so that I can take your sins upon myself. That's the first act. And then next, the next thing, bam, he goes into the wilderness to be tempted. Now, again, going back to the synoptics, the three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have a different word that describes Jesus going into the wilderness. Matthew, the word is, the Greek word is, don't worry about it, but, the, but in Mark, Mark's word, when Jesus, it says Jesus was then led, the word there, sometimes it's translated drove, but the Greek word, listen to this, Jesus comes out of the water, he is baptized, there's my boy, and Mark says he is driven into the desert, the wilderness. The Greek word there is the word akbalo, and it means to actually have somebody push you, compel you, force you. I'm a big fan of uh, Jack Ryan, Tom Clancy. Anybody like Tom Clancy here? I love Tom Clancy. There is a good series on Netflix called Jack Ryan, creatively. And there's a scene where I just watched it a couple days ago when I was working out. There's a scene where they're going to put a, a, a bunch of guys who are going to jump into the Venezuelan jungle. They call it Halo, right? They jump out of really high up and then they descend down in parachutes with a boat and the whole thing, just cool. Anyway, the, the, guys, are, the guys all jump out, woo out they go, right? These special ops guys. And then the one guy goes to jump and he, he gets freaked. Who wouldn't, right? You're jumping out of an airplane. I mean, I'd be freaked. And he's getting ready to go, and there's somebody in the plane behind him, just in case you get cold feet. And the guy gets cold feet, and the person behind him goes, go, 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 and he goes to, and the guy jumps. That, that image is the image I want you to understand, that God forces Jesus, pushes him, compels him into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Why? Why is that? He is compelled to go, friends. The thing I want you to see here, his temptation, point one, was necessary. And let me explain that word temptation for a moment. When you think of temptation, what do you think? You think of, you know, you want to do something that you know you shouldn't, or you don't do something that you should, right? Sins of commission or omission. We think of temptation as a pretty narrow thing, right? Something that we should or shouldn't do. It's a moral thing. But the Greek word there is the, for temptation is the word parizio. And it means struggle. It means suffering. It means temptation, but it also means to be in battle. It means to fight against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And friends, this is what I want you to see here. Temptation, parizio, struggle, suffering, is necessary for you to grow as a human being, for us to grow in our faith. This is why Jesus goes. He is the consummate man. He is the consummate human. He takes our sin upon himself, and the very next thing he has to do is he has to be compelled to go, to take on the struggles of this world, to learn what it's like to live in a fallen and broken world, the very world that we inhabit now. First Peter says this, First Peter, Peter chapter 1, verse 6. Listen to this. You've heard this before, but in the context... Peter is talking to the church, and he says, you, second person plural, y'all, use guys, right? Use guys have been grieved by many and various trials, peridio, temptations. You have been grieved by many trials so that the, the, test, the testing of the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes in fire, is tested and proved. 
See, the reason Jesus goes, the reason his first act is to go into the wilderness to face the devil, to be tempted, to be parijo, struggle. The reason you and I struggle in this world is not something to be avoided, but it's something that God uses to teach us how to grow, to grow us up, to man up, to woman up. Another military metaphor I'll give you. My, my nephew is a Marine. He's 22 years old. He was getting ready to go to boot camp. He and his buddies on Paris Island a couple years ago. And he said, yeah, Uncle Chris, he goes, the instructors always tell us this is going to hurt. It's going to be awful. Embrace the suck. <laughs> Friends, this is the deal, right? See, we all think of suffering and temptation as something to avoid at all costs. Our culture says avoid all of this at all costs. Jesus says, no way, man. We're going in, and we're going in hard. In this life, you will have struggles. You will have trials. You will face temptations of many kinds, just like Jesus does as our example. Friends, you can run from it, but you cannot hide, and you shouldn't. We go to battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we go at it head on. And here's my first question for you. Where in life right now are you being tempted? And don't think of it as only a moral problem. It's not. Temptation means where is something in your heart causing you to distract you from what God wants you to do? Yeah, we think of like, you know, drinking too much or smoking too much or all the things we think of as sins. That's chicken feed, man. Jesus is talking about what are the things in your life that distract you, the struggles that you wrestle with. Man, you can run, but Christians don't hide. We go to battle. We follow Jesus' example, and we go at it head on. So what tempts you? What do you struggle against right now? If you don't know, ask your wife. <laughs> Ask your, ask your husband. Ask your friends. It's a curious thing, isn't it, that the things that we don't see in our, C.S. Lewis says this in, in the screw tape letters, that we just talked about it last week, that the very things that we don't see in our own hearts, everybody else sees. But, but friends, I want you to see something here, and this is actually really important. You might be, it is not God, listen to this, it is not God that does the testing, it is the devil. And you gotta realize one thing too, what scripture tells us is that the world that we live in is fallen. The world that we live in is broken. God does not tempt us. James says in chapter one, verse 13 of his epistle, let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God, for God cannot tempt with evil, and he himself tempts no one. Well, if it's not God who does the tempting, then who is it? The devil. Did you read uh, the, the term that is used in the New Testament today is the word satanas. It's Greek, ha-satanas. And the translation is the adversary. We say Satan, right? The, the word ha-satanas is actually a, a proper, proper noun, and it describes, listen to this, ha-satanas is a prosecuting attorney in a court of law. Any lawyers here? Few, right? You ever, ever watch Judge Judy on TV or the, whatever, any law show, what you do is you've got somebody who's on, on, on trial, somebody who's accused of a crime, and the person who stands there and tries to point out all of your faults, all the things you've done wrong, the prosecuting attorney, that is that word. Hasatanas does not mean a, a big scary guy with teeth and fangs and a cloven hoof and all that stuff. No, it's a lot more subtle than that. Hasatanas is the adversary that wants you to hang on to your regrets. 
that want you to hang on to your hurts, that want you to hang on to all the things that have been done wrong to you or that you've done. The devil wants to take you as your adversary. He wants to crush you and he wants to grind you. God does not tempt anyone, but he does allow for your sake and for mine to be tempted. God gives you the free will to choose to do the right thing or not. He doesn't force you. C.S. Lewis says, he cannot command, he can only woo. I love that line. He has, gives you free will to choose. And if that sounds strange to you, maybe saying, well, come on, you know, shouldn't, that doesn't seem very fair, you know, I mean, couldn't a big guy kind of give me a leg up on this one? Couldn't he give me a little, little booster, a little, a little help? Well, actually, he does. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, Paul says, no temptation has ever taken you, first person singular, that is not common to all. God is faithful, here it is, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he will provide for you a way of escape that you may be able to endure. Hear that, hear that, hear that. Don't you see? God allows temptation to grow us up. God allows suffering to grow us up, but he also provides a way out so that you can endure. It teaches you to trust him. It teaches you to rely on him. Did you notice that the very, the very last verse of that gospel it says, after, after Jesus says, be gone, Satan, it's a command. Get out of here, you filthy animal. It's a strong command, actually. It says, and the angels came and were ministering to him. It's a continuous in Greek and in English. In other words, during that struggle, during that fight, during that battle between the devil and Satan, between angels and, and evil and Christ and all this spiritual warfare, all throughout that, Christ gives God sends his angels to strengthen him and to strengthen you. Let me ask you a question. You ever had a situation where you're just wrestling with something and you're like, man, this just really, this is just terrible. And you got no way out, right? You think, what am I going to do? I'll give, you, I'll give you a concrete. Just this morning, just this morning, I'm wrestling with a problem with my extended family. My brother's got some stuff going on. Nothing terribly serious, but, you know, it's going to cause him some issue. And I'm like, what, what, what am I going to do to help him out? What am I going to do to be able to help him solve what he's got going on? And one thing occurred to me, a person just recently in his life who's a Christian has come into his life and has become an encourager of him, my brother Jimmy. And I'm thinking this morning as I'm shaving, I do my best theological thinking when I'm shaving, and, I, and I'm thinking, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I, I can't believe this is going on. Why this? Why? And the Lord said to me, don't you realize I've sent help already in this person, Mark, his name? See, here's the thing, right? We are in a spiritual war. And if you don't think that's true, man, just look around. Just think. We're all wrestling against stuff. But the Lord sends angels, whether it's a spiritual being or a friend or a sermon or something you read or a book or a priest giving a sermon, something which strengthens you, encourages you for the battle. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear, and he will send you his help. And if you're thinking to yourself, oh, this still doesn't seem very fair. Why wouldn't God just kind of bail me out all the time? Why this whole suffering thing in the first place? Why me, right? And if you ever ask yourself, why me, don't feel bad, because Jesus says the very thing from the cross. My God, my God. Well, it's covered now, but my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why does God allow that to happen in the first place? Well, anybody here have kids? I right now have, Gracie turns 14 tomorrow, right? So I now have, I now have 
three daughters between the ages of 14 and 21. Yeah, pray for me. They're awesome. No, 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 I mean, <laughs> they're awesome. But you know, at some point, as a dad, you know, as a dad, you know, think about it. When you're, when you're a, a new dad or a new parent or aunt or whatever, and a little kid starts to walk, right? What do you do? You go behind them and you hold their fingers, right? And you walk with them and they're, they kind of waddle along. And you, you hold them and, you, and to teach them how to walk on their own. But eventually, at some point, you got to do what? Pull the fingers out. And then they go, whoa. They might fall and they might hit their head and they might, not, you know, cry. That's called suffering, parizio. But you do it, not because you don't love them, but because you do, you see. How about when, most recently, when, uh, in my own family, I remember when Amy turned 16, and then Katie after her, and now Grace, Lord have mercy. And uh, at some point, you know, you, you hand them, you have the keys to the car, and you go like this. Oh, boy. Here you go. Right? Because you're terrified. You train, them, you train them up on the what they should do. You're there to support them. But at some point, right, you've got to let them go on their own. That's what God does with you and I. He's not abandoning you. On the contrary, he's testing you. He's letting you be tested because he loves you, not because he doesn't. Because he wants you to grow. He wants you to learn to trust him more and more. And when the bottom falls out, and it will, he'll be there for you and he will show you in the people, places, and things that he places in your lives. And friends, that is why temptation and suffering, as much as we try to avoid it, man, it actually points us to the source of our comfort. It redirects our focus to him. It shows us that all along he's had you in his hand. And that when, even when things are bad, even when things are terrible, even when things are suffering, you can lean on him. And you only learn trust by trusting. You only learn faith by believing in somebody. You only learn to trust God by trusting in him and seeing if he keeps his word. Amen? That's how it goes. Christ says, in Peter's first epistle, chapter 3, it says, For Christ suffered for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. See, friends, embrace the suck. Embrace the fact that Christ, that life is hard and often full of suffering. But Jesus wins. He's got a plan, and you're part of it, and so am I. And your moral performance does not determine whether or not you're saved. Christ does that for you on the cross. Instead, your moral performance, your actions, your, the way you live determines whether or not you trust him more and more. So this Lent, let me challenge you. Let me encourage you to embrace it. Don't run. Don't hide. Go at it. With Christ as your example and with Christ as your strength. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinitybureau.org and follow us on Facebook.